0: football season long by the good folks over at Thorium Wealth. Check them out online, thoriumwealth.com, for more information and full disclosures. Our thanks to them for their support of the show and of the site. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Palatial Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Tuesday, November the 5th. It's Election Day. We will not be getting into that, uh, but we, we will be getting into... Virginia had a really big football victory over the weekend. I'm not sure if you guys heard And, um, and the basketball program is about to start, uh, I I guess we could technically call it a title defense, but I don't know if that's really a thing, um, as much as, um, it is in like pro sports where, you know, maybe a lot of the pieces stay the same, but anyway, we're going to talk football and basketball on this year program this evening. Um, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody up in Fishersville. David Spence is on the show. How are you, my friend?
1: doing well, Brad And I vote for more offense like we saw last Saturday <laughs> Who days on the board, at Who Dave's on Twitter
0: He vote for Ferber to call them out and talk about how awful they are, right? Yeah. Speaking of, uh, up in Reston, the aforementioned Justin Ferber Whose team, since we last spoke, has won a, a World Series um, I mean, you're just living the dream, aren't you, brother? How are you?
2: I'm good, yeah, I was just going to give him a quick shout-out Congrats to to my Washington Nationals for finishing the fight, as they say uh, two UVA guys on that team as well, so congratulations to both of them. So don't say that it's you know getting off topic, uh, but yeah, uh, I will continue to be as uh, I wouldn't say negative. I'll I'll just uh, I'll just go at everybody that's having a bad week and and hopefully they'll turn it around. Uh, these mystical powers do not usually work, by the way. <laughs> at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter
0: and Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, but we get at some point we got to talk about like what it's like when 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 UVA and uh, the Nationals both win championships in the same yeah. calendar year. Uh, I and think I got our, to go to both. Yeah, right, which is pretty
2: cool. And I think yeah.
0: our our retrospective at the end of 2019 will be especially uh, intriguing. All right, let's talk about Ch- what ha- what went on in Chapel Hill uh, Saturday night, Cavaliers. I mean. I don't wanna say like they busted out the whooping stick because clearly <laughs> that thing was nip and tuck for a while. Um they needed every point, it's it felt like. But I, I don't wanna call it night and day, but it felt night and day. Like there was a confidence in the play calling, there was um there was a um an energy even when Virginia had the ball offensively. Um had the ball offensively. Good job, Brian. Um I, I just I There were several times during that game I thought I was like having an out of body experience because I was like, wait, what team am I watching? And it wasn't because they were doing anything maybe that they don't normally do, right? They didn't come out in like the wishbone, but man, they were, they looked, I mean, completely different. I just want to start there. How, if I told you guys before the game that Bryce Perkins was about to roll up 490 all purpose yards and score five touchdowns in this game. Would you all have wondered, like, what substances I've been partaking in? Like, Dave, how crazy was it to you to watch Virginia's offense roll the other night?
1: It was pretty crazy, man. I mean, you know, because it was a night game, um, I kind of put myself on, like, on check down before the game started. Like, don't expect much. This is going to be a tough win. Their offense is a lot. Can we score? So I kind of entered the game with like a I don't want to say a loser's mentality, but expecting a loss, Um, and that you know the first drive they came out in a little tempo, and I was like, oh, well this is a little different, Um, and then they just started executing, and it seemed like you know there were some empty drives in the first half, but it it did seem more intentional and um, engaged on the offensive side, um, like right away, and. That got my optimism up. But I'll, but I'll tell you, even going into halftime, um, I was still trying not to get excited. Like, I expected the second half to be what we've seen, and it wasn't. And it was beautiful. I'd like to see more of it. Um, but I, I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> but to me, like, that game, the surprise of that game, I think I texted you guys afterwards. I was trying to I was trying to rate it. Like, the South Carolina bowl game was kind of a surprise. But those are bowl games. that didn't go either way. I would say probably the biggest surprise win of the Bronco era, not only the win but how it happened, was Boise State. Right? I don't think that's debatable. Um, mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that was out of nowhere.
1: Yeah. yeah, this would probably be second for me, just because of what we've seen from the offense leading up to it. So when you're when you, when you can argue it's on that list, that means it's a, a surprise.
0: Ferber you had called out the offense, not well. I, I mean, we joke, but like realistically, what you had done is you had really like. Been I very- just pointed out the truth. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's the thing is like Dave said something to me
2: earlier or like after the game about like, you need to, you know, be hard on them every week. I'm like, I wasn't being hard. I was pointing out facts like it, that stuff was just true. Yeah. Like, I mean, That's and true. this week it wasn't true.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I was, what I was going to say is, is that we joke, but like realistically, you didn't call them out. You said this is the situation and you kind of explained it in, in very, um, you know, in very, in very well thought out detail and, the way you contrasted them with the other teams. But then to see them come out, it had to have been, I don't know, after you've done so much research, right, and you've been in the middle of all those numbers, and then like a few days later for them to just like – Yeah, mean, it's
2: like, what am I doing? Like, what's the point of all this work?
0: <laughs> um, the thing I think – and you you can chime in on this too, Ferbert. Like, it's one thing for Virginia – To come out in a different look, you know, Vic Hall comes out at quarterback, you know, that kind of thing, right? But realistically, to me, what I saw the other night was just a team being more aggressive. Like, I don't think they did anything dramatically different other than maybe they leaned on uh, their top three wide receivers more. But other than that, I just think that the play calls were more aggressive. Bryce clearly, he got his groove back. Um But to me, that's the biggest difference. What was the big difference to you, Ferber?
2: Yeah, I mean, it sounds kind of like a cop-out to just say they executed better, but, I mean, that's something that the coaches have been saying a lot. And, you know, there's been times where I've rolled my eyes at that because, you know, I'm not a huge fan of coaches just saying, oh, it's on the players at this point. But, I mean, I'm not saying they're completely blameless for bad play, but – Um, they clearly did that in this game. And, and like you said, I kind of looked at where the throws were made to, and if there were a lot of differences there, I didn't see a ton. It just seemed like they were, you know, a little bit more crisp. And I think there was a little bit more creativity with, uh, some of the red zone plays and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think it's fair to say that Perkins had the best game of his career. Uh, considering the opponent and the situation and being on the road and and just the, I mean, he set a record for all purpose yards for the school, I believe. So uh, I mean, just an outstanding performance. And, and as far as like, if anything changed for him this week, I don't know, because it wasn't like all of a sudden, you know, he was healthy or something over the course of this week. I don't think it was just, things just clicked a lot better. And I think there, you know, people that don't believe in momentum, like, I don't know what to tell you because I feel like at least in some sense it you know, you get a good drive, you can kind of put another one together when you get two or three good drives. I mean, they even said like when, you know, Bronco said on, on the sideline, it was like, you know, it, it did have an effect on the bench that they were continuously successful and not just randomly successful. Like they were able to, I think they scored on five consecutive drives, uh, between the first and second half. So, I mean, I think that has an effect on your team and, and your ability to go out and play, uh, I mean, the one thing I will say, difference-wise, I mean, the obvious is Terrell Gianna's performance. I mean, that was, you know, when I say it's completely out of nowhere, I don't mean, like, I can't believe that he's capable of it, because I don't think that was it at all. It just hasn't—we haven't seen it. And actually, right before we started recording, I kind of just looked at some numbers really quickly to, to try to put it into context. He had 13 catches and 146 yards, I believe, on 16 targets um his average targets per game was 5.75 coming in uh as far as like being on the field more um coming in in the first eight games he was on the field on 67 percent of the passing plays, and in this game he was on the field on 83 percent of the passing plays. um I don't know if that was an intentional thing or going with the hot hand but whatever it is it worked and then also just throwing getting throws down the middle of the field that's something that we, we've said there hasn't been a lot of, but, you know, Jana has a 34-yard completion down the middle of the field. Tanner Cowley has a 40-yard completion down the middle of the field. Uh, you run a play kind of into the middle of the field in the red zone on that jump pass sort of situation. Uh, well done. I mean, a job well done by the coaches, by the players. They went out and executed. No turnovers, five penalty yards, two two or three sacks allowed. Uh, just a well-played game. And, and the margin for error still might not be super high with this team, but, um if they play like this, I mean they give themselves a chance to to beat anybody as long as the defense can figure out, you know, some w- way to kind of mitigate the losses in the secondary.
0: Right. Um before we talk defense, I want to talk a little bit more about the offense. Um so we have I don't want to say we've bagged on Dr. Bob, but we've been fairly critical uh, and you know, rightly so. Um had by far his best game. Um by far, um, I thought it, it, there was one drive, and I can't even remember when it came because everything that came after it, but there was this one drive where I was like, oh no, they've gone back in the shell. And then from that point forward, man, it was the, the pedal was down. And, and I don't know if this was a situation, I mean, it's a, it's a chicken and egg thing, right? Like I have long said that sometimes, you know, this staff can be a little bit too precise in terms of what it needs to see in order to push the agenda, right? that sometimes you just kind of got to call plays and let dudes go out and make plays. You know what I mean? Like you got to call the thing and just let them go out and do it versus like make them show you, you can, that they can do this thing exactly the way you want it to be done before you call that thing. Um, I I think Perkins is running changed just like it did in the Duke game. Right. That 65 yard run he had um, was such a Bryce Perkins play um, in the sense that like, it wasn't like he just blew everybody off the field. It was like, how is he still up? And how is he in bounds? And how is he gone? Yeah, it's just like
2: creativity.
0: Yeah, and he and his ability to change speeds. Um, I mean, he is literally like the Malcolm Brogdon of quarterbacks. You know, like, his ability to, like, kind of, like, lull you to sleep and then just be gone is kind of crazy. But I thought he was accurate. I thought he was um, poised. I thought he did a nice job of, you know, keeping himself out of trouble. Um, offensive line was not perfect. But, man, I thought they had a, a really nice game. And, look, Carolina's had some injuries. I don't want to make this out to be like they were, you know, Alabama. But that's still a really talented team that has recruited at a nice level um, and has made, you know, has done some good things this season. So I, I was really encouraged by what I saw. I mean, <laughs> kid sets the school record for all purpose yards. I mean, obviously you, you should be encouraged. But I think that the, the tweak to, you know, to get Janna on the field more, to, to kind of lean on those three guys, it sounded like they didn't practice as much during the week. that they, they didn't do as much, so they basically saved them up for the game. I think that's a great plan for this, you know, as Bronco called it Monday, the, the coastal playoff race, uh, Dave, as you look forward, what do you want to continue to see from the offense? I mean, obviously you want to see him score 38 points, (laughs) 38 points a game. Um, but, but but kind of really like, what are your, what are your like must haves as they go forward? I mean,
1: I mean, opponents obviously going to change a little bit. Um, I mean, I thought the thing that we saw Saturday, I mean, a lot of it was execution. Um, I mean, just kind of hit it all. It's, There wasn't a whole lot they did different, so that's good. Like you, you haven't created a whole new offense that maybe is not something you can replicate again um, against other opponents. But it's just doing doing what you did and the confidence of going going along with it. Um, I don't want to gloss over to me like one of the big things was the offensive line play. It wasn't perfect, but it was more consistent, um, which gave Bryce more confidence in the pocket. And as the game went on, like. If you watch second half, Bryce, like, there were some issues in the first half. I mean, they didn't didn't score their 17th point until late in the first half. And then they kind of exploded over the next 15 minutes. Um, But if you watch second half, like, Bryce just got a lot more sure in the pocket. You didn't see that back foot pass because he was feeling pressure. Um, And what he was 76% or something completion, 30 for 39. So... If the offensive line can take that performance and continue to get better, or maybe this was the breakthrough game for the line, because they didn't rotate hardly at all. I I don't remember seeing anyone come out, maybe late in the game. Um, But, you know, the five guys played together, and they played well, and the offense was having success with some quick hitters to keep the defense off balance. Um, I do think the Jana thing, when I went back on the rewatch, it looked like Carolina was matching up to receivers, so I think they were picking on the DB that was defending Jana. Um, until Carolina started switching off later, um, so I think some of that was something they saw on film. But overall, like it was a good performance. Like the running game, still the running backs didn't do much again. Um, that's something that is going to have to continue except
2: to be fumble. worked on. Yeah, except the fumbling. Yeah, that's I mean, another thing. Some of, some of this that. stuff is yeah. Some of this stuff is just luck. Like I mean, they recovered yeah. two of the fumbles that they fumbled, and and other games they didn't.
1: Yeah, it means for me it's just—is it a launching point as far as confidence? And um, there were some slants in this game we hadn't seen before, and there were a lot, a lot more shots downfield even early that weren't successful to Joe. And then that Jana pass up the seam was one of the best passes, even though he didn't really get much after the catch. It was a wonderful pass. And then incorporating the tight ends—it's just another thing for the for the defense to worry about. If you're not going to have a running back run game involving another. Asset in your passing game to go with your quarterback run game helps because um, I mean I don't think Bryce is as explosive as he was early last year's even now even after that touchdown run like I just don't, he doesn't have the the zero to sixty if you will that he had last year um, his top end speed pretty good just taking a little longer to get there so it there was plenty plenty to like there it wasn't perfect but you I mean no one's perfect in a sixty minute game so. Uh, I saw enough to get me confident, and I'm hoping that ha- having that on film and w- will kind of help open up some other plays because, like, you know, those little, those actions that they added to the offense and Bryce taking those shots keeps the defense more honest. Um, I don't really think we ran a lot of plays that we hadn't seen before except for maybe that touchdown play to, to Mish and then the little pod pass to, to Cowley were new. But everything else yeah. looked like stuff we've seen before.
2: And honestly, like that Cali, that Cowley play might have just been called already, and he just chose to run because it's an option play. Yeah, or he got sacked in one second. Right? right. Yeah, exactly. You know? I was thinking the same thing. And that was a cool thing to see. Like you know, one of the things about they have all these different personnel groupings and and all these different guys coming in the game. But really, mm-hmm. I mean, who are they throwing to? They throw into Hassis Dubois and they throw into Joe Reed. And this game, they they threw to a third guy, and you kind of saw it paid dividends. And also, I mean, you know, they threw to Mission Cowley more. So if you're just going to run all these guys in and they're just window dressing, eventually they're not going to get paid attention. Even um, Wayne had a catch. <laughs> right. And then you had that little pot plate at Tavares Kelly. God, that was of, a good you know, play like too. Sweep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like they used guys just more diversity um, because otherwise, like I said, uh, eventually you can run all these guys in, but eventually they're just going to pay attention to number two and number eight and let those other guys kind of sit out in space and not get the ball. But yeah, I mean, it was good to see them kind of mix it up, but yeah, my thing is one game doesn't uh, necessarily mean you're bad at offense or defense. Like, for example, I'm not going to take away from this game that UVA now has a bad defense right, because right. they got kind of torched. But at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and say all of UVA's offenses, you know, the problems are all solved and there's no issues. Because if we're sitting here in three weeks or whatever and they're, de- you know, they've scored three points in the first half against Virginia Tech and they're down 10 to three at halftime, we're going to be saying the same stuff we were saying last week.
1: Yeah, my my confidence from the offense from this performance versus Duke is that the offense did it. You know it wasn't and it really help yes, from Derby like, big returns or
2: empty, turnovers. This wasn't like empty yeah. points. This was, this you was know, long drives they they did it. Yeah. Um, you look at the like the, the lengths of the drives, you know, I, I highlighted in that piece last week, I think it was like thirty six percent of their drives were on short fields, um, or touchdown drives on offense. In this game, I think they were all like seventy five yards or more. So yeah. I mean, they they had to earn it.
0: So let's talk about the secondary. So not great, Bob. Not great at all. They lose Brenton Nelson for the season. Shoulder injury just became too much. They're going to have to obviously go without him, Bryce Hall, Darius Bratton, Jermaine Crowell, Antonio Clary, Haskin Smith. Um, so if anybody out there has any um, eligibility left, you might want to let Nick Howell know if you are – you know, if you've got good hips and you can um, play the ball. I, 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 I want to say that I'm really – this is going to be the weirdest sentence in the history of man, but I'm really glad that the Liberty game is not next because I feel like if the Liberty game was next, they'd be in some trouble um, because that offense could, could really put you in a bind. Um, of course, you're just going to have to get after the quarterback and hope that that's enough. Um, Dave, as you look at Georgia Tech – and we're gonna talk. We're gonna basically package the secondary inside of it. it to me, it, because of Georgia Tech's personnel and sort of where that program is right now as it transitions, if you're gonna have an opponent on the schedule when you're having some issues in the secondary and you're trying to get some young pups ready to roll, this seems like the perfect one. Give me some thoughts.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't. Maybe Georgia Tech of old would be better. I don't. Um, but yeah, I, in the ACC, I can't think of a team you'd rather face. Given the given the secondary situation, um, maybe Syracuse, but um, Georgia Tech would certainly be up there. Yeah, I mean it's, I mean at this point, I mean Alabama would have a hard time if they lost that many defensive backs. I mean right. let's be honest, like you just can't have that kind of depth at one position. I actually spent some time this early early Monday morning, like when I was doing my weekend wrap stuff. Looking at the roster, trying to figure out if there's any guys who could flip and and might get cross-trained at DB over the next week, couple of weeks, because we've seen that before, like with Cross and and other ones. So I couldn't identify anyone quickly, but it wouldn't shock me to see,
2: you know, a wide receiver or you know. Well, you flip. also have this four-game rule, right? So I mean, yeah, exactly. Like you so could yeah. you could take a guy and just be like, all right, you're gonna play now, and you'll yeah. still redshirt, but you're gonna yeah, play. I
1: mean, <laughs> exactly. I mean but there's not a whole lot of them left either. I mean, you're getting down nah. to like Major Williams and um God, Cypress,
2: I guess. And, and Cypress I think is already on his He's already on the 2 deep. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so and I don't know if that's an option. Or Dixon I mean, plays, obviously he can just play. So. Yeah. Dixon played Saturday
1: night, Baker played, and you know, Baker had a tough game cuz he got picked on a lot cuz they knew once they did pick on him right away, they took a while to start picking on him, but
2: Yeah, see, I think that actually kind of worked in UVA's favor is this new like you don't have to do an injury report sort of stuff. Yeah. Because, you know, Carolina, did, I mean, we had no idea. Carolina didn't know. So, the, you know, when they lined up with 39 out there, they were probably like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah.
0: <laughs> when well, they and said it they didn't make like, the
2: decision until Thursday, so it wasn't right, even and like and if they're, you had... And then they are probably scrambling, you know, in the in the coaches box, like, all right, do we pick on this guy? Like, has he played? You know, like, looking all that stuff up.
0: Um, yeah,
1: and it also took Virginia a while to go into that, you know, basically the entire second half they played their base nickel, you know, two down linemen, two linebackers, and five DBs. Um Early in the game, they didn't do that much, so Baker wasn't on the field as much. Um, it was more the, the, you know, the base 3-4. But, I mean, I, sh- I sent you guys a picture, but there was a drive where Noah Taylor played defensive back, and watching it live, I thought maybe it was just some weird alignment. But on the rewatch, you could see Noah out there covering a receiver, playing outside of Charles Snowden, um, which is not, the you know, <laughs> something you probably can't do for a game. Yeah. I but mean, a he played some
2: safety a couple yeah. years ago, I believe.
1: Yeah, and that's, he's a converted safety, you know. Yeah. Um, Jordan Mack. <laughs> you know, so, so it'll be interesting. I mean, I think with, with uh, Georgia Tech, it does offer you the opportunity to stay in that base a little more and only go to nickel or, you know, sub packages on, on third and long. Um, but it's going to be a challenge for the run game because, you know, it, Georgia Tech, as bad as they are, do, it does have a decent run game. So, like, you yeah, it's the best thing you can have given the defensive back issues. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Brad's right about Liberty. Like, yeah, I, I don't think Liberty has enough to beat Virginia, but it's gonna be a score that makes people who don't know what's going on be like, "What was that about?" <laughs>
0: um, so we're not gonna spend a whole lot of time on Georgia Tech tonight because we do have hoops to talk about. So let's transition to the um, to the game of the week. Uh, in the preseason, I had picked this thing Virginia to win. Let's see, twenty eight fourteen. No, that's verber score. Uh, Thirty five twenty three. Very Brad Franklin score there. Um, I don't think Georgia Tech's going to score 23 points And I think Virginia could probably score 35 So I'm going to say 35-10 to I think Georgia Tech has, has talent um, Certainly the way that the thing has gone for them It's been exactly the way you might have expected it Though they're having to do a lot of things offensively That they would much rather not do But that's just what they can do um, And so it's going to be, as Bronco talked about You know, It's going to be some weird sort of variation So he doesn't get to to pull out the um, the real triple option um, secrets. But I think a lot of that, you know, the some of the same principles will hold. Um, I just kind of expect Virginia to score and for the defense to kind of be back to, to what it was. And I think the bye week comes at a perfect time for them to go in, um, get those young guys some reps in the secondary. To me, the headline is going to be that, um, you know, Virginia keeps the lead in the Coastal. I think this is, um, you know, this is a game where if, you're, if you are really the Coastal – Well, I know you're not coastal because it's always chaos, but if you're a division champion, this is a game that you win and and it's not even close. Um, And so after what I saw Saturday and the confidence, I think they get from that um, long as they don't go in a shell, I think they win it. And I think they win it pretty easily. Ferber in the uh, preseason, you had Virginia win in this game, 28, 14. Um, What say you now and what's your headline?
2: Yeah, I'll stick with the score. Um, I think that'll be about what it is. I think, Georgia Tech's recipe against any team is just to ugly up the game. I, I, I think, honestly, like run the ball, try to keep the ball, uh, hope you make some stops, hope you get, you know, win the turnover, uh, battle, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, if UVA plays clean, I think that they'll be fine. Uh, it, it's one of those games where, like you said, you should win it, you're at home, UVA doesn't go on the road again. So, uh, I mean, that, that's what made that North Carolina win so big was just it sets them up for success now. Um, and now they just have to go earn it. And I think you're 100% right. Uh, I, I think it's interesting that UVA had all these injuries and they got tested by the best passing game. They're probably going to face this entire season um, unless I'm forgetting somebody. Unless you're in the orange bowl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, deal with that when you get there, right? Yeah. Um, you know, obviously Clemson, but that's not on the schedule at this point. So I think that, you know, they got tested, and now they kind of played the opposite, uh, which is a team that doesn't throw the ball a lot or effectively. Uh, and then they have a bye. So hopefully that will give them a chance to figure out, you know, what they're doing. And the tackling against North Carolina needs to improve. Uh, I think that that was a big issue. Just, you know, a lot of missed tackles leading to big plays. So, I mean, it wasn't all just guys getting beat. Um, some of it was just missing tackles and stuff like that. So I'm going to say 28-14 UVA. I'll I'll say that they win uh, pretty comfortably. I'm going to say that they force uh, three turnovers, and that's my headline.
0: Wow. All right, Dave, in the preseason you had Virginia winning this thing 38-21. What say you now, and what's your headline?
1: (laughs) I'm going to back that score down a little bit. But um, look, I mean, I think one of the things that's gotten lost or maybe hasn't gotten lost but hasn't been talked about enough with the the offensive woes and the recent backfield, you know, defensive backfield injuries is how good UVA's defensive line is getting. Um, Juwan Briggs is like a man child. You know, we knew that, but he's like, he's starting to produce now and Alonzo's having a great year. And Famui's is having a great year and and handbacks doing his thing. Um, So now you've got, you know, three guys, you can, you know, four or five guys you can rotate in to, to help start, stop a a team that's going to try to run the ball. Um, so I mean I think Virginia can stay in their base and not expose the the depth issues and the defensive defensive side until it gets to a point where then they can start bringing exotic blitzes um, when Georgia Tech is forced to pass, and and I think the offense rides a little bit of a wave of confidence. Um, the, Georgia Tech's defense is definitely better than their offense. Uh, I have a little reservation because Georgia Tech kinda of reminds me of Virginia and Broncos first season. It's a lot of um, what sort of looking for. But it's a lot more like uh, culture change right now than, than results. So they do play aggressive and they do hit through the whistle, like Virginia, you know, Virginia learned to do under the first year of Bronco. So Virginia's going to have to be, you know, be sharp and, and be smart. And I think they'll come out and win it by a couple scores. I, I'll dial it down, say 31, 17, somewhere in there. I think Georgia tech was, will figure out a way to score kind of late because uh, yeah, I do think Virginia will start subbing quickly if they get a lead. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess my headline would be Virginia wins two in November (laughs) that that hasn't happened in God knows how long. Um, So, yeah, we'll go from there.
0: All right. Before we transition over to the uh, round ball, um, let's take our break. We are brought to you tonight by the good folks over at Second String Sports in Stewart's draft. Second String Sports has all the 2020 gear from Louisville Slugger, DeMarini, Wilson, Easton, Evo Shield, as well as quality used gear. So if you play baseball, softball, soccer, or football, you can find the gear that you need at 2nd String Sports in Stewart's Draft. If you have something from last season that you aren't using anymore, you can bring it to 2nd String and get a credit towards your next purchase. And if you're looking to purchase a new bat but you're not sure which one to get, you can come check out their demo zone, and they can talk to you about the best bat for your swing. Uh, 2nd String Sports also has a large selection of Wilson A2000 and A2 Clay gloves and is a Wilson Glove of the Month retailer. You can check out what they have to offer at their store just outside Waynesboro. That's 2627 Stewart's Draft Highway. Or you can go to their website right now, Second String Sports. That's second with a two. First String Quality, First String Service, Second String Sports. Our thanks again to Second String for their support of this show and all of CavsCorner.com. Best ad read I've ever done in my life. Okay, let's talk basketball. Cavaliers are the defending national champions. Um, And I don't care, like, as we record this right now, there's basketball being played. To me, the last game that was played was a national championship game. And I got to be honest, man, like, Throughout the day to day, thinking about you know um, games being on tonight and talking about games being on tonight, um, <laughs> Ferber was it Ferber who sent a text it was like Corey Alexander season. Um, <laughs> another friend who was talking about you know Debbie Downer, Dan Bonner. Um, it's just so weird to me to think about basketball because it still feels like they you know just won, um, even though that was obviously several months ago. So I'm having a problem mentally. Clicking into basketball season. And I don't know if you guys are in the same boat. I'm excited about it. I'm certainly not looking forward to having, as people listen to this, I'm probably on the road um, to Syracuse. Lord willing, the creek don't rise. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I'm just really having a problem, like, focusing on, not just focusing on basketball, but like thinking that basketball time is here. Because normally, right, Virginia's had some horrible postseason loss. That everybody wants to get that taste out of their mouth and they just want the season to hurry up. And now you have not just you know the championship, but then you also got the fact that there's no there's no big three. there's no you know three of them in a in a corner as Dre wraps, you know like it's a very different team um, coming off of a very different end of the season and it just I don't know I, I'm not saying I want to bask in it anymore. I'm just saying like it just feels odd. How, how are you guys sort of approaching the beginning of uh, basketball season? Ferber, let's start with you.
2: I mean, just trying to figure out how to write about it was kind of weird. You know, I haven't been going all the preseason stuff like you, so I haven't been like slowly working my way up towards it. It was just, you know, the light clicked on and it was basketball season. Uh, So, yeah, it is definitely strange. Uh, It's going to be an interesting season. I think it's going to be a very interesting game tomorrow night in Syracuse. Just because of all the changes and you know it's going to be a different team and and that kind of gets back to your very first point in this podcast is you know in a sense they're defending their title as a program but really this group is i mean obviously you have some guys back but it's not the same team it's not like you know they rolled the same group of guys back out there to, to defend it so uh i'm interested to see how it goes i think there'll be some some growing pains along the way and I think that, you know, they're not going to be as clean and dominant in the non-conference as they have been in the past. And obviously ACC play now going to 20 games is a, is a wrinkle that you'll have to get used to. Uh, I'm interested to see how it goes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess we're going to be a lot busier now.
0: (laughs) What are you about? What about you? Yeah. I mean,
1: it is weird. Um, I mean, the, the two major sports starting on the road in the ACC is mind boggling to start with. Um, you know, there's basically no preseason. Here it is. Like, you know, normally we'd be playing Towson or something this week, and we'd be excited to watch and you know see how the bench guys do, right? But yeah, now it's like it's, low it's a game pressure. That
2: counts. Yeah, <laughs> low pressure opener.
1: A game that counts on the road. Um, I, mean, I won't get into that, but, um, yeah, I, I'm not ready not ready for it either. Uh, maybe I will be tomorrow. I always find it. Maybe I'm unusual, but. I find it so weird to watch basketball after you've consumed as much football as I do during a normal season, like that first yeah. week or two of basketball. It just, like, looks weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, why can't you touch him there? What's going on with that?
2: <laughs> Tackle <laughs> him. This, He's running. What is this orange it takes, thing? So I mean, it's different. I mean, I think well, you Well, also, football it. is so, like, play, regimented, like, play by play by right. play. Right, right. They're yeah. all, like, their individual act. And this the basketball, it's just, like, you, you forget about – possessions at a time you know oh yeah i forgot about that play and stuff like that
1: exactly and then you know you combine that with the fact you know the game's gonna be a little different this year the three-point line is longer um yeah and then as far as this team goes i mean they won the championship most you know god bless them most wonderful you know sports year of my virginia fandom um but it is also like the biggest turnover of any team under bennett i mean i can't think of another time that's you know, you lost four guys that meant this much to the program at one time. There's always been that, that two or three guys that carried over, you know, every year. So it's a new team. Yeah, I mean, it, it's weird. It's probably going to take me – as soon as the game gets going tomorrow, I think I'll be okay. Um, but it's going to be weird, you know, not seeing Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome and, and Dre Hunter out there. and Jack Salt, for God's sake, he's been here for 20 years. I mean, um, <laughs> it's going to be different.
0: Yeah. Um. You know, as Ferber sent the of- – the Syracuse preview today And so The the site was down for a while So I had plenty of time To edit it Um Or the The content side would anyway And I was thinking as You know You think about like Today's point about turnovers So not, Let's not focus on what's lost Let's focus on what they get Coming back So they get Mamadi Diakite Who You know Has Has always shown a lot of potential He's come up huge In some really big spots Not so the least of which was The shot Um Aspect of the play Um but he hasn't, you know, he hasn't been a, you know, a go-to guy, right? Uh, Braxton Key has, you know, had a lot of moments last year where he made some really key, no pun intended, plays. Not to, you know, not the least of which was that block um, at the end of regulation um, to help UVA go into overtime in the title game. Um, again, not a go-to guy, not a dude who, you know, you're handing the keys to and say, hey, go get me a bucket. Um, they get Keye Clark back. Who has at times given? Got you know, gone and got him a bucket, but he's not a he's not a ball dominant guy. He's not somebody who's going to you know score thirty or something on the reg. Um, you know he's a he's a guy who fits really well in the system and and obviously has poised beyond his years. But again, not a go to dude. Jay Huff has had some moments where he's you know flashed, but at the same time, like he hasn't been able to do it consistently and he hasn't been able to even be as consistent as the other three. Uh, in terms of getting minutes and and doing something with them, um, you know he they probably don't win that Clemson game last year without him. But if you think about it, like it, it, it for all intents and purposes, it's a brand new team with a couple faces that you know, right? Um, if you if you have folks who aren't very like into it, like they will be very confused because there will be a lot of new faces, a lot of new names. You know, Cody Stadman might not be new, but he's basically new. You know, Kafaro when he's healthy, he's not. You know he's not brand new, but he's coming off of a redshirt year. Then you got Casey and Justin McCoy and Will Um, It sounds like Shedrick's going to redshirt as expected, but it, there's just a whole lot of um, of new about this team, and that's just not a thing that normally happens with Virginia basketball. That you you just don't get a whole lot of new. You get maybe one, sometimes two guys, right, or you get one new guy and one guy coming off a redshirt, but that's it. Everybody else is, you know, and it's like you know I talked about in those um, preseason Q and As, like they're they're kind of a year early, basically for where they should be, and certainly the roster next year and beyond looks like it's going to be you know stacked. So they got to get through this, and I'm not really sure what to expect from them offensively, but I got a feeling they're going to be sneaky good defensively, um, and that might be enough to win tomorrow night. Um, and I, I kind of want to segue basketball conversation to talk a little bit about this game specifically. Ferber made a point basically earlier that um, the Hughes kid is basically all that Hughes has. And so these are two teams in similar situations, right? They lost O'Shea Brissett. They lost Howard. They lost um, um, the other The highest battle. Thank you, battle. Um, I could see it, but that doesn't help on a podcast. Um,
2: and Chukwu, who's their rim protector.
0: Yeah, so like they've got a lot of things to figure out. And so Virginia not – especially in the ACC year this year, not going to be unlike pretty much anybody except for Duke, Carolina, and uh, Louisville. I kind of wonder what Virginia's um, – like what's the, what's the thing that they can count on the most? I would imagine that Tony wants that to be defense, obviously. Um, I do think that they're going to be pretty good, but I'm curious as to how consistently they can do it. And what I mean by that is there's a difference between, hey, Virginia doesn't allow teams to score more than X – and this is how it happens, right? So you have some individually good defenders. Clark is good on ball. You know, Key can give you a uh, you know a variety of things. Diakite good around the rim. How good is Jay Huff? Um, whoever the other starter is, whether it's Statman or Morcel, like how how do they handle themselves? My my curiosity on the defensive side is how where where does it come from? How does it how does it fit together? And then offensively, who does what? It sounds like they want to. will be a different team in terms of. Um, focus because they have to be, right? They've got these two long um, athletic kids who can shoot it, um, you know, huff more than Diakite, but clearly from the scrimmages and stuff, it sounds like Diakite not going to be bashful at all about putting up the three-point shot. So, Dave, let me go back to you. As you sort of look forward in this season, starting specifically in Syracuse, what are you hoping to see both from Virginia's offensive defense? What, what are your expectations tomorrow night and beyond of what you're going to get from this group?
1: Um, I don't have many expectations because I said if we won a championship, I wouldn't care what they did. So no. Um, I mean, I think defensively it's just seeing how the pieces fit together. We we know Tony can play defense with any you know with any team. You know he he's had a good defense with much less talented roster than he has now. Um, but how does that look? Because you know the the players that probably you know that provide you the biggest offensive punch. When you start thinking about how they fit into Tony's defense, having two big guys like Mamadi and Jay on the floor at the same time against most teams you face night in night night out it's probably not going to lend the best defensive team um so which one of those goes to the bench and you know because you know how how does cody statman step up how much how many minutes is he willing to give a freshman like Morcel? um and what is kihei like when he doesn't have ty jerome to to take the pressure off of him on the offensive end so Defensively like if they can get that together and you know, I think we all have confidence. They'll figure that out This year is you know as much as we we have kind of lamented the fact that their offense wasn't good enough in the Late in the year to push them over the top until this past season I think this year you've kind of got to lean on the defensive edge because I don't think even the most optimistic Virginia fan will will tell you the offense is going to be something you can depend on possession after possession Um when your best, two, you know, your best two scoring threats are bigs. that's just not the way the game is played right now. So unless they have developed an immense outside game, them being able to produce consistently possession after possession is pretty, you know, it's unlikely. Um, so it just becomes, you know, what can you get from a guy like Casey? You know, we've, we've talked about it before, but, you know, no guy in this. The only, I can't remember if it was Joe or Malcolm now, but only one player under Tony is average double figure His first year,
2: Um, it was Joe.
1: Joe, okay. Um, You know, Cody Statman is is the wild card to me. Like Braxton Key, I think Braxton's going to get better. Um, But I think if you read what the coaches say, like he's probably not going to be the twenty point per game scorer he was at Alabama, just because of the the, the way our offense is run. Um, So the wild card to me is Cody Statman because you know if he can give you eight to ten points a game, and I think that's optimistic that does give you a lot more versatility in the lineup. Um, so I'm just going to be looking, I'm going to be looking, honestly, to see how the rotation plays out. It, it sounds like we're going to see Coleman playing a lot more than any of us would have anticipated given the fact that he's a walk on, but his name keeps coming up every time you, you hear, read an interview. Yeah. Um,
2: and part of that might just be necessity. Cause yeah, one point guard.
1: Yeah. So, you know, the, the thing that's just me, what I'll be looking for tomorrow night, to be honest, is like, I think we can figure it out, you know, how to, how to score points and, and combine with their defense enough to be in a lot of games because that's what Tony does. Um, the thing I'm curious about is if if Syracuse starts pressing, like, you know, we had all those years where we could not handle a full-court pressure, and then we haven't really had that for a while. Um, when you start looking at the roster, like, there's not a lot of sure ball handlers outside of Kihei, um, proven ball handlers. So this team could be susceptible to to full-court pressure, and we might see it in game one.
0: What about you Ferber? What do you what are your I don't know, benchmarks or or your expectations for this group on both sides of the floor?
2: Yeah, actually the the thing that Dave just brought up I hadn't really considered but that's a great point. Um, especially when you consider that your best ball handler is like 5'8". Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that like Dave said, I think the the post scoring could be the best that we've seen really in quite some time, maybe since Mitchell and Gill or Gill and Toby. But the problem is like Dave mentioned, that's not usually how teams, you know, that's not usually how teams are led in scoring. And that kind of creates some issues where you're going to need to rely on some other guys to knock down shots, to open things back up for them and, and vice versa. So I think that's huge. I think, you know, people are going to love to hear this or hate to hear it. I don't know, but I think the development of Jay Huff could maybe be the story of the season. Oh my dear Lord. And I don't mean that in, like, I expect him to, like, become (laughs) a top 10 NBA pick. I I mean, like, whether or not he becomes, you know, like, takes that next step could determine how good this team is because he's an X-factor type player. You know, like, I I think that you you look at how, like, Wisconsin used Frank Kaminsky and guys like that, and he's not going to be on that level. But, I mean, like, that changed the way that they kind of ran their offense and and opened things up for them. If he can give them, you know – some sort of version of that you know whatever it is and and improve on the defensive end as well then i think that they have the ability to kind of take the next step uh or at least you know have a better offense than maybe they might otherwise but overall i kind of think this year will play out somewhat similar to the 2017 season where we had a lot of uh, you know we saw a lot of new pieces with kyle and ty and you know there were some guys lost from that 2016 team. Brogdon was gone. Gill was gone. Toby was gone. Uh, so it was kind of London's team. And they played pretty well for most of the season. And then they had some games where they didn't look like they'd ever played basketball before on the offensive end of the court. And I think you're going to probably see some of that this year. Uh, the defense may be a little better than that group though. So I think that overall you might be better off than that team was, but yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be some rough patches on offense, but What you hope is that because I don't see one guy that's going to take off and and carry this team, even Mamadi. Like, I don't I don't know that that's the kind of player that he is. Uh, I think he's going to be a really good player, but I don't know if he can if he's going to be like, you know, putting up 16 points a game or whatever. Um, So I kind of think that the hope is the different guys can shine on different nights and get you through. Um, But, yeah, I think they're going to have to rely on good defense first.
0: The. All right. I made a joke when you said the thing about Huff because we have been fairly, yeah. fairly consistent on this, this podcast that you mean realistic, <laughs> I was going to say that the fan interest and excitement and such about Jay had sort of become a thing of its own. Look, this yeah, is, yeah. I'm
2: sure, I'm sure Tony doesn't know what he's doing. That <laughs> <laughs> multiple time national coach of the year, national champion. Yeah.
0: But listen, listen, for real though. I completely agree. I think Huff is the secret to the season. And I I don't say that to throw red meat to the unicorn folks out there. I just mean it like think about this team, right? They know they they don't have the the perimeter options, right? Unless Casey Morsell you know, goes through some sort of like um, rapid development. I mean, I think he's going to be really good, and I I just don't know if he's there yet. You know, Cody Statman when when I talked to um uh, uh Brad Soderberg he made mention of basically, you know, that Statman just need, you know, they need to kind of get him to a place where he was making them uh, making more consistently from deep. And that has definitely been a thing that has, um, ha- has been on my mind a lot. Like, this is a team that shot a lot of three-pointers last year, not just in the carrier dome, but in general, right? So, like, it seems like to me that when you're not going to be that way, and you you don't have the you don't have the the, the roster to support that you got to switch things up. I think the fa- if they only had one of Diakite or Huff, I think I'd be super concerned. But I think the fact that they have two of them and a lot of the action you can run can actually leverage teams a little bit um, because neither one of those guys if they if they can hit shots from deep, good luck trying to get length on them right because they're both athletic and they both move well. Uh, Jay told me that he's put on uh, ten pounds and you know it helps him hold his position a little bit better. Um, you know, that part is going to be obviously going to be integral to his success. Can he uh, on the defensive end, stay on the floor? Um, you know, that has been a problem, right? He's, you know, conditioning and and when it came to his strength, but I do think that ultimately, if you look at the way that the roster is composed and you look at the way the skill sets overlap, what they really need is a dude who can score in bunches and Jay Huff, has the ability for that. Now, whether or not he's ready for that step, you know, that's what the next few months are about, right? Like, he's going to get his minutes, he's going to get more <laughs> minutes than he's ever gotten. Um, You know, I don't think, especially now with, you know, Confaro uh, still nursing that deep thigh bruise, it seems like, um, he, you know, it sounds like he's not going to play in this game, at least. Um, You know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see if they come back, you know, if he comes back for JMU, but man, Jay Huff is going to have lots of chances, man. That I mean, there are a lot of shots that were. I mean, even though we're talking about Virginia basketball would slow, this and that. Like, there are a lot of shots that somebody has to take, um, especially you know with, um, you know with a like I said with a with a roster that doesn't have a lot of guards. Like late in the shot clock, what are they going to do? They're probably going to throw it to Diakite or Huff and just let them like go cook. Um, and whether or not that's inside outside, um, you know, remains to be seen. But I I, I agree. I think Huff is. which is you know considering our track record here kind of crazy but i i think that's that's the difference maker what do you think dave
1: yeah i mean i i just assume huff's gonna score (laughs) you know he's gonna score my my concern with jay is being able to stay on the court you know not just from a physical standpoint but he's always played with the frenzy because he knows knew he wasn't getting a lot lots of minutes so he's gonna have to not go after every block shot and get you know pick up fouls early and same with Mamadi, you know, Mamadi had a great NCAA tournament, but you know, even late in the year, last year, we still, still saw flashes of Mamadi, like picking up files too early. Um, so it's from a scoring standpoint, it's going to have to be between those two because they're, they're the two guys who've proven they can score, you know, in, in big situations. So I mean, I do think I'm, I'm watching like Kansas and Duke tonight while we're recording and, um, Maybe we're not thinking enough about how this one-foot, three-point line changes the game a little bit, because if you're watching, like the spacing on the floor is so much different, especially for teams who put two or three guys out behind the three-point line on offense. There's just a lot more room. So um, I don't know if that helps or hurts Virginia with with two big guys who can step outside. Um, Maybe it's a good thing. Um, But I think where it hurts you, and the reason I brought it up is when you, when you think about a guy like Casey Morsell who was shooting on a high school three-point line last year and now he's shooting, you know, almost two feet back from that, like I, I think that's where maybe it's a little harder for him to have an impact, you know, shooting the outside shot. Um, and Kihei who struggled with the regular three-point line last year, how does moving it a foot back affect him? Um, that's why I think for me, and I, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but for me I think if Cody Statman is a really a good shooter, like he adds another piece that, can take this team from being like very good I mean, good to very good to being a very good team
0: all right uh, what are let's talk about the let's talk about the freshman right what do you who's the guy that you think they lean on the most and who's the guy that you're most curious about forever we'll start with you the guy you, you of the of the and i guess I should lump guys who haven't played um Let's just do. Let's just do freshmen. Let's just do freshmen. Yeah. Okay. Guys, who, guys yeah, who are I, in their I, first year in the program.
2: I, I, yeah. Morse sells the answer to both. Uh, I think he'll play a lot. I think if he's not a starter, I think he's the sixth. You know, the first guy off the bench. So I'm, I expect him to have a pretty big role. And uh, I think that, you know, like we saw with with Kyle and Ty in their first year. I think, well, especially Kyle because he played a lot more early than Ty did. Ty kind of like worked his way into a bigger role as the season went on. But I think that you'll see them kind of have ups and downs and, you know, some rough performances here and there and, and learn. And, and obviously the pack line is a process unto itself. But I think that you'll see them shine, especially Casey in games offensively, scoring in bunches and, and doing some good things. And Casey kind of has a skill set that not a lot of other guys on this team have you know, as a combo guard. And, uh, I'm excited to see what he brings to the table. And I do think that he will be leaned on more than McCoy, but McCoy honestly seems like the kind of guy. And, and I don't know if anybody else wants to touch on this, but he kind of just seems like a Tony Bennett guy, he like uh, like an I, Akil just, Mitchell type I, player I where it's like, he just yes. he gets on the court cause he grinds. Yes. you know, I
0: specifically asked this question cause I wanted to talk about him. Like that was literally the reason I asked the question, but uh, continue, continue, finish your point. That was it Oh okay Well in that case <laughs> Let me piggyback Because talking to this kid And like he Like I don't know if, How many folks like Like have I don't know Watched his video And stuff But like This is a kid Who's Who's really put it together At a, at the, like the right time He's He's much He's longer Like He's more He's more physical Right Than he Um Than you might think Just by looking at the measurables Right Um Everybody who talks about him says, energy, 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 energy. And when you can get to that place in Tony's system and you're playing continuous, right? Like, that's the thing that they always talk about. You know, you got to play continuous. You know, you got to be, you know, head on a swivel. You got to be always dialed in. When when that thing clicks for him, I've got a feeling he's going to be scary good. And he is exactly the type of player that this team needs, right? A guy who can just kind of come in and just do a bunch of stuff. Right, he's not going to like score you know twenty a game. He's not going to come in and pull down fifteen rebounds a game, but he could give you a good you know twelve and six at the right time, and that's what this team needs. This team needs dudes who can kind of chip away at it. And I think he's he's going to. I'm not saying I, I agree everything you said about Casey, and I agree that because of his pedigree, both where he played high school, where he played AU, his his physical you know the measurables and everything, I feel like. He's the guy who Virginia's going to lean on the most, but man, that McCoy kid is going to have uh, a big impact on the season. What do you think, Dave?
1: Yeah. I mean, look, you know, especially the number of teams you play, they're going to play small ball, right? Um, it's going to be hard to have Mamadi and Jay on the court for extended periods of time against those smaller teams. Um, and then Braxton key can only you know play so many minutes. So uh, I do expect to see a lot of McCoy. And if, if you can play defense, and you know you can put him on the court with Amomedi or with Jay, or you know, or or both of them at times, um, he, he's going to be a valuable piece. Uh, I mean, I, I don't. It's hard to. I haven't seen him play, but you, I definitely think he, he is going to end up being a better player than maybe we all thought he was when he committed. Um, and you know, that that would not be the first time that's happened, right? Um, you know him, and you know as far as the freshmen go, I think Marcel for sure. Um, as your overall player just because when you look at the depth in the backcourt um, he's kind of got to be or this team is going to be really really big heavy um, I, I do find it kind of funny we haven't really talked a lot about Braxton Key um, you know a, a pivotal piece not you know not not, not the beat piece that made us win a championship but a, a guy whose play like helped us um, and to score the last four points of our season last year so you know what he can do and Who's the other player? Who have we also? We haven't we haven't talked about Walden Tensei at all. Yeah. Um, whose name we're all going to mispronounce twenty times because I swear they pronounce it differently during the <laughs> yeah. scrimmage. I think
2: I think the way Brad said it earlier was correct. Walden Tensei. Quarter yeah. Tensei. Yeah. yeah. that's right. Walden Tensei. Yeah. Which right. is weird because well, also when he it committed... should be also it should be Thomas and, and it's just not. It's Thomas. Bennett's calling him Thomas. It's Thomas. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. That's actually not his first name. We're going to call him B Walden Tensei <laughs> or whatever. Oh yeah. Says
1: Yeah, Yeah. I can't wait for Twitter to discover that tomorrow. <laughs> Some, no, yeah, they, already yeah, someone, they already have. Yeah, they already They
0: already They're okay. already asking uh what's his name from equipment about it. Um
1: that is kind of weird though. When he committed when I watched his, you know, obviously his junior college, but the guy can score and I really thought he'd be like kind of walk in and be the starter. But honestly, you haven't heard much much about him from the coaches in a way that would kind of signal you to look for him to be a starter. Um maybe I haven't read the right articles, but I mean, it seems like injuries or whatever it might be, or maybe that the physicalness of the defense. Wait,
0: wait, wait um, that seemed harsh.
1: No, 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 not in a harsh. Like, I like. I watched that guy play, and, like, given the fact that we lost, you know, Kyle Guy and, you know, we needed a score, I was like, this guy can step in with the team. But really, like, you know, they always kind of give you – if you read everything the coaches put out, they always kind of hint to you, like, who what's, – what's leading – and it hasn't been anything negative about Thomas, I mean Thomas, but you just have have haven't seen his name mentioned a lot. Um, you've seen a lot more about Casey and a lot more about McCoy. So I, I don't know if he had injuries in the offseason or maybe he's just struggling to pick up the defense. But I don't have expectations for him to have a big role early in the season, but I guess we'll find out tomorrow night.
0: So, um, all right, let's talk about this Syracuse game. Do we want to pick it, or we do just want to give some like things to watch? Let's 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 just do the things to watch because we'll, man, I already picked it. You You'll pick? just have to read okay. about it on, yes. on
2: Corner dot com.
0: Yeah, what a, what a great website. Um, gosh, that was so shameless. Um, all right, so I I I think of it like this: Syracuse has a lot of pieces to 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 find. I think Virginia's probably closer to being able to. To be who the Cavaliers are going to be, than Syracuse is right now. Historically speaking, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong on this, but don't the Q sometimes struggle at the beginning of the season to kind of figure it out? I just feel like those guys going against pack line is going to be harder for them than it will be for UVA going against the the two three zone. So I think Virginia wins it, you know, eight to ten, easy. What do you What do you guys What do you think? Yeah, Let's go to you, <laughs> since you haven't picked it yet, I,
1: I don't know. I mean, my my struggle with my struggle with Syracuse is. You've you've got to hit some threes to to get the zone to spread out so you can attack it inside. So, you know whether that's Jay or Momadi stepping out. Can we? We're, we're not going to. Let's be honest. I seriously doubt we're going to make eighteen or 19 threes, whatever we did last year, um, where we couldn't miss. But the
2: big question yeah, it was I like have is like eighteen of twenty five, I think. <laughs> yeah, but the big the big
1: way we have we've attacked Syracuse is by having a, a great passer at the free throw line. You know, Ty and Dre have played that role. Malcolm played that role. Who's going to play that this year? Because um, you've got to have a little size. You can't put Kihei there. Um, and Braxton. I think it's got
2: to be Braxton.
1: It's got to be, but he's, not, you know, he's a he's a good passer. but um,
2: Unless so, you just put Mamadi or Jay there and just dare them to come out and guard him and yeah. hope they can take him to the rim. But again, you know, like you said, you're not facilitating with them from there probably. Yeah, so it's
1: going to be interesting because I, I do think that the way Virginia has attacked the zone through that, through that guy is kind of what it's you know, contributed to the success because they collapse down on and get you open threes. So um, defensively, I think Virginia is going to do what they do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure if like the three of us and two buddies went and worked out with Tony for a summer, we could probably, you know, <laughs> we'd be decent at defense. Um, so it's just it's to me like, can they hit the threes? I mean, I think Virginia will win by a few points. I think right now they're a three point favorite. Um, yeah, I think that's probably about right. First game of the year.
0: And the reason I want to I want to make sure I said eight to ten easy. What I mean by that is like it, it will be eight to ten, but I don't think Virginia is going to struggle. Like I don't feel like I, I you know, and I might be, you know, sitting in the Carrier Dome not able to see the floor because apparently like that's a thing um, that like it, media seats are awful. Um, but I, I just feel like the Cavaliers will be more consistent. Let's just say it like that. Um, the question, the thing, I, the thing I the thing I'm really interested in is like these are all dudes for lack of a description that Tony has like given somewhat a short leash to at times. Right. And they now have to play, (laughs) which I, uh, you know, I kind of find fascinating for, yes, you did pick it on that uh, great website that you mentioned earlier. Uh, Do you have any other closing thoughts on this, uh, this basketball game before we wrap up?
2: Yeah, I'll just say that. I mean, I wouldn't be totally surprised if it goes the other way, just because we don't really know what these two teams have. And it is on the road. Uh, You know, it's, if things start to go wrong, you got a lot of guys that haven't been in that environment. Uh, I mean, you have well, the tensai who's playing in front of like a few hundred people or whatever in Iowa. Uh, I mean, obviously you have guys like Braxton Key and Kihei who played in front of eighty thousand people a few months ago. But I mean, just as many guys on this team have not been in a spot like this, and you know, in a sense, we won't. We'll know a lot about this team tomorrow night, but we won't know everything. Because Syracuse is like the knuckleball pitcher of the ACC. Uh, you know, like you have that, – that defense is just different than what almost everybody else does, even teams that will throw a zone at you just because they're so disciplined and good at it and they're not going to get out of it. So, in a sense, it's like they're – the thing, the, the genius of the 2-3 zone is that most teams design their offense to play against man. So, no matter what, the, the team you're playing, UVA in this case, is going to be running their second – most prefer, you know, preferable offense they're going to be running like a, a gimmicky offense almost to try to combat the zone so you know we're not going to get to see uva in a lot of their normal sets in this game uh and, and unfortunately there's not a ton of like really tough tests coming up after that except for i guess like vermont who's usually pretty good uh but yeah i mean i think that we might see some good things we might see some weird things but uh, no matter what happens, we'll still need to see more of them against man to kind of have an idea of how the offense is going to look.
0: That's a very good point, And I think a perfect way to end it that, yes, this is, this would be like the football team opening up a Georgia tech, right? Like that doesn't necessarily. Yeah, mean it's anything. exactly
2: the same. I mean, it's kind of the exact same concept where it's like,
0: Oh, the defense looks great, but yeah, they but, haven't played anybody that can pass or right, whatever. Exactly. Exactly. Um, if you are somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, your Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your programs. And if you are so inclined, um, give us a rating and review. Always helps get us out in front of more people. If you're somebody who found the pod, has not given us a look yet, check us out at the website, CavsCorner.com. Right now, let's see, I got video interviews with Justin McCoy, Cody Stadman, Braxton Key, uh, to all talking about um, you know the coming season and the roles and that kind of thing. Uh, also had video with Terrell Jana, who got a chance to break the rock for the first time the other night in Carolina. Um, he said on Twitter, "I did him dirty with the uh, screen cap," but you know, in my defense, um, I did the best. He, dude, did, dude didn't look up and smile very much. Um, let's see what else we got. Um, notes from Broncos presser. We got the third of our Q and A series with Orlando Vandross, who I thought actually I, I just want to say it. I thought he was really um, really good talking about the NCAA and the recruiting model and some things he, he thinks are important that aren't there. Um, but you can check out that whole series. And obviously, Ferber's aforementioned preview um, of the game in upstate New York. Let's see. Um, if you have not, check out that Fanatics link. Um, anything that you purchase through that um, goes to support the site. Um, so I very much appreciate that. It doesn't have to be UVA stuff. If you, you know, Nationals fans, Ferber, um, you want to help out the, the home team, no pun intended. Um, anything that you purchase through that uh, that link helps us. So very much appreciate that if you want to do that. Uh, lastly, I want to thank Thorium Wealth and Second String Sports for their support. You can visit Thorium Wealth online at thoriumwealth.com. and You can also check out secondstringsports.com, second with a two. Um, or you can click the uh, the links in the uh, podcast app of choice or in the content item for this show. Again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time as always. I very much appreciate it. For David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.